Namaste and good evening to all of you. I have uh, decided to speak tonight, given the fact that most probably there will not be a, a satsang, because it's the time of the... I have to check, to double-check if I got it right, that it's the time of the festival of the local Buddhist temple here, and there will be... A, it will be a very, very noisy week. In the evenings, there will be an incredible level of noise. And uh, because of this, we don't do... Many activities are cancelled in that week. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the connections between yoga and parapsychology. Since we are having a workshop coming up in a couple of weeks, a workshop which has not been done in Agama for the last 10 years, for more than 10 years, and therefore which is very rare <coughs> and which was extremely well received in its time. It gave to people huge inspiration to improve their practice and to do additional things. And that's why I wanted to outline some of the elements like what is this story with parapsychology. For most people parapsychology is a mysterious science, a mysterious name and then it can sound very dry scientifically and what has that got to do with our pranayama and headstands and tantric practice. Like yoga life seems to be very different. The daily life of the yogis in the school seems to be very different from some scientific study and um, therefore for many people it is a little bit confusing. They think uh, maybe it's because Swami Vivekananda has had a background in physics and engineering and it's a sort of connection with that and um, therefore for many people it's unclear. What has that got to do with spirituality, with healing, with uh, different accomplishments from yoga? How can such a thing help us in, like, yoga in Agama, for most people who get to know it, is remarkable. It's awesome. It's astonishing. It's wonderful. It's a great yoga and anybody who bothers to perform it for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, gets excellent results from its practice and knows practically that these things are working and uh, that a lot of things are happening. So the question is, in all this, what is parapsychology? Parapsychology is a sort of a rogue science, if you look on Wikipedia or others, they will tell you that although there are universities that have chairs of parapsychology and they have research and teaching, nevertheless there are sites on internet and on organizations which consider parapsychology a pseudoscience or a hoax. Because unfortunately we are at a level in the modern civilization where a lot of traditional knowledge is being discarded and unfortunately the ignorance from the metaphysical standpoint is very great. Apparently the society evolves with technology and internet and mobile telephones and 
CAT scans and all sorts of other apparently awesome uh, technical accomplishments. And on the other hand, some of the knowledge about the human body, about the human soul, about the human being is being discarded as being impossible to verify by some rigid scientific standards. And because of that, even parapsychology, which is a sort of a branch of science, but again, it's somewhere in the middle. It is defined officially as the field of study concerned with the investigation of paranormal and psychic phenomena. Even parapsychology is uh, questioned because uh, in the modern world, things which are questioned are going to the bottom. Like here in... The conflict is deeper than more than more of you can see. Because, for example, here in Agama, we claim that you come to the level number one, of to the first level intensive, and uh, 99% of those that come, they don't know much about chakras, energies, and other things. And then it takes three weeks, four weeks, six weeks of practice, every day, study. And for some people, it takes more than six weeks so that you start feeling the prana. In the beginning, when you do your Padahastasana or when you do your Tadasana, you are just visualizing the energy. You are just imagining the energy, but your body is a little bit numb. Your system is numb and you don't really feel. You, if you put your arms up, you feel that the blood circulation is slowing down and somehow your hand is getting slightly numb because of a poor blood circulation especially when you hold your arms up for five minutes or something like this. But there is a huge difference between a numbness in the arm and in the hand and feeling prana, feeling the energy flowing. So this accomplishment to just feel a little bit of some movements that I'm doing, I don't know, Danurasana, and after Danurasana I feel like there is some activity in the area of my belly button. This accomplishment takes weeks and months. So it's on the edge of human knowledge. Like the normal human being is not meant to feel energies in a normal way. There is a sort of a wall of silence. There is a sort of a karmic wall of ignorance in which a human being is not meant to see, feel, perceive things beyond a certain limit. It's like beyond a certain limit, it's forbidden territory or it's restricted territory. Some mystics, some seers, some prophets, some exceptionally gifted human beings have stepped in that territory, but for the rest of the population, which is like 99.9% of the population, that's alien territory. So, there exists a certain karma, and that karma has many implications. If you would perceive the astral body you would perceive the dead, your dead parents and you'd be talking to them and then you wouldn't be sorry that some people have left the physical world and died. How much suffering because of people dying, 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 dying. Every generation suffers that the previous generation has died and other things similar have happened. And actually, if you'd be a clairvoyant with that level of consciousness, you wouldn't suffer at all you'd be completely happy that some people have died and they have gone to a better world. The astral world is higher. 
it's more comfortable unless you go to hell, then it's not that comfortable. No? So it's like there is a lot of stuff uh, which our ignorance prevents us from seeing. If you'd see the pranic energies, you'd see that a person suffering from a cancer or suffering from, I don't know what, asthma or something, a hepatitis or something, is lacking some energies and is not circulating well some energies. And you would realize immediately that by transferring this energy or by transferring this energy, you can even obtain phenomena of healing. How many of you have not seen or heard of relatives, close people, dying of cancer, dying of cancer, dying of cancer, dying of cancer. No, it's like, what is it? It's like a doom. It's like everybody is doomed to die. Women are doomed to menstruate. A certain percentage of the population is doomed to die of cancer. Nobody can do this. Nobody can do that. It's all sorts of restrictions, like a sort of a hypnotic order on the whole humanity, that thou shall not go further than this. What is further than this belongs to God. It belongs to the spirits. It's kind of forbidden territory. And Tom, Dick and Harry, the regular human beings, they have no access there. Parapsychology is the bold branch of human science which goes there. And because of this, parapsychology is hitting exactly against this wall of silence. That's why parapsychology, which is trying to put on the table and to say, are you kidding me? No, there are people who doubt the existence of telepathy. It has been proven by military research 60 years ago that there is telepathy. Like, we don't need to prove it. It was proven. But if you read about it on the internet or something, you'll see that 50% of the people, the rationalists, the so-called rationalists, no, they say, nah, it's not sufficiently proven. Right, like you have to, why? There is a sort of a stubbornness, like some people, and it's beyond themselves, they dig their heels, you know, it's like a resistance. No, 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 no. By somehow I'm hypnotized that by, at any cost, I should not let humanity know that there is telepathy. I should not let humanity know that there is an etheric body and that there is prana or a vital force. I should not let humanity know that the soul still exists after the physical body has started beating its heart and the physical body is dead. That ignorance keeps humanity in a certain cradle, in a certain prison, in a certain condition. Like, I see Hollywood movies made, and not only Hollywood movies, others innovatively made about a lot of things. I have not seen in the last 20, 30, 40 years one single good Hollywood movie about somebody who had a cancer, did pranayama, and healed it. Not one. It's a very thrilling subject since one-third of the world population dies of cancer all the time. Every day people die of cancer. There's not one... How do the Hollywood movies go about John Fitzgerald Kennedy being shot by his own people or whatever? Like almost any subject is open, but this subject, it's like it's taboo. There is not even a speculative one. You know, somebody who says, I want to write a science fiction movie about somebody who started doing visualizations of purple light. You know, 
And then if you ask, they say, yeah, but the trauma is so big about these things that we don't dare to touch that subject. It's nonsense. This is the wall of silence. The wall of silence is precisely forbidding humanity some things. There is a technology called hypnobirthing by which women can give birth without any pain. There is a additional technology to hypnobirthing which is called orgasmic birthing by which you can reprogram the brain of a woman that when the fetus is going through her vagina she should have the biggest orgasm in her life because the fetus is like a huge dick basically. How many women do you know who gave birth without agony? No? It's a hypnosis. It's like it's hypnotized like the Bible says. God got pissed at Adam and Eve and told to Eve, in pain you shall give birth to your children. It's like a curse. And it's one in a million, the smart woman who comes out of that curse. Exactly like it's one in a million, the woman that stops her menstrual cycle and doesn't need to menstruate. No, because it's the curse of women that they have to menstruate. No, they don't. And yet there is a collective hypnosis which says you, should, you shall comply. You shall be like a lemming, like a sheep. Whatever everybody do, does, you shall do. And in this, a lot of ignorance is included in this package. And it's very difficult to break these limits. In the Greek mythology, this was symbolized by the symbol of Prometheus. Prometheus was not even a god. He was a titan, like a powerful demon, in a way you can say. Prometheus took pity on the human beings or wanted to show his muscle, whatever the motivation was, and he gave to the human beings the fire. Guess what? Prometheus was chained to a rock and an eagle was coming every day and devouring his liver for a thousand years. And the, con the, com the conclusion of this is... He that brings the fire must pay. Humanity can't even get the fire, like become from gorillas to Neanderthal or whatever, Cro-Magnon man. It can't even do that without somebody paying blood. Later, Jesus came and got crucified. Humanity can't even go further without the Son of God being crucified and bleeding for humanity. This is how you pay the price to go further. How to get out of ignorance. How to break this wall of ignorance. Because a lot of karma is at stake. That's why with parapsychology we reach to this level. And that's why parapsychology is an extremely challenging and wonderful field. Because for those that catch some of these things, it breaks your karma. It makes you go ahead in knowledge. Suddenly you understand and you see and you say, how doesn't everybody see this? It's incredible. And then, on the other hand, uh, for some people, it's like forbidden territory. It's like there is an invisible force that is constantly trying to bury parapsychology. And although experiments have been done and done and done, and occasionally you have a school, a university, a trend, or a genius that does some great breakthrough, no? like Konstantin Raudiv, Lithuanian or Latvian engineer was register recording the voices of the dead. He recorded the voice of his mother after she died. You know, so he could record it with an electronic device. No mediums or some, you know, <clears> hope. <throat>
saying machine, a machine, which some people could just manipulate that machine. You know, it was a recorder of a special kind. How many of you have heard that there is a man who could record the voices of the dead? You know, there was even a Hollywood movie was made after it called White Noise. You know? So what I'm trying to say here is parapsychology is very controversial precisely because it's stepping on the toes of human ignorance, precisely because it's forcing the wall of human ignorance. And if you can say that, oh, I don't know, there was this Russian clairvoyant woman called Baba Vanga, and Vanga saw something of the future, and we don't know, and you know, that's all discussable. If Vanga had precognition, the correct scientific name is precognition, that you know things in advance, know things of the future. No, but with parapsychology, some of these things can be measured and evaluated scientifically. Like Vanga Dimitrovna, that was her real name, this Bulgarian woman, she's been dead for 20 years. This woman who was, she got blind in a car accident, her parents died in that accident, and she remained blind, and she started seeing things in the future because she was knocked on her head. She luckily in the communist, she lived in the communist times, and in the communist times you couldn't make crazy prophecies and stuff like this, like saying communism is going to die in 1990, you know, because then that would be considered as propaganda against the government, although she was right, but you couldn't prove it. And thus, uh, she was under supervision, and there was a great Bulgarian parapsychologist called Lozanov who had her in his care. And Lozanov made, she said, he said, if this woman can really see things of the future, then we are going to do it scientifically. He made statistics. He made case-by-case case study. She was not allowed to do it just like this randomly, like to see future. She was, was doing it into a strict framework. And Lozanov could decide in the end. Vanga Dimitrovna had a rate of accuracy of 80%. Not 100%, nobody has been 100%, perhaps Jesus could have 100%. Because it is a city, and even Vanga Dimitrovna didn't have it perfectly developed. These cities are exactly like you say, well, if you can lift weights, why don't you lift 5,000 kilos? Well, I can't, I can lift 200, but I cannot lift 5,000. So there is always a limit. <clears throat> so for Vanga Dimitrovna, it was 80%. Vanga Dimitrovna said, I think there will be a war in Europe in 2014-15 because I see that Europe gets filled up with Arab people, with Muslim people. She couldn't see exactly everything, but she was damn right because last year, 3 million or 4 million Muslim people just walked in Europe with flowers in their hands like this and everybody was looking like, uh, what are you going to do about this? No? So there was no need for any war. No, and probably next summer it will start again. You know, let's see what's happening this spring, and so on. You know, because the path is open in many, many ways. So what I'm trying to say here is, um, many of these researches, when they are done scientifically, they show you an amazing, an amazing perspective on things. And it's not something mystical and occult, you know. Suddenly there is scientific research with statistics, with measurements, with parameters. Then you can see a lot of things. A lot of things. Like in Agama, I myself have seen in the last, I don't know, 
30 years since I'm teaching this yoga, I myself have seen tens of people having cancer and declaring themselves healed. But we don't have any scientific research to prove it. There is no statistic, there is no photos, there is no x-rays before and after, there is no blood tests before, you know, because it's the wall of silence. And everybody who goes skeptical can say, yeah, yeah, I know, it doesn't really work. I had a friend who tried, you know, and uh, they died or whatever. This is all an urban legend. We have different angles of view. For me, it's a thing which is confirmed and I know it for sure. For the people who are on the skeptical side and who are still hypnotized by the wall of silence, it's like, ah, you don't know. You can never know. This is the huge difference. That's what I'm talking about. There's a, it's the permission to see or not to see some things. It's the permission to know or not to know. Most people are under the erroneous impression that knowledge is for free. Knowledge is never for free, as Buddha has stated it very clearly. And parapsychology is then very relevant because it gives us, it's, it's the attempt of the human being to rationalize, to study scientifically and to crushingly prove some things. And unfortunately, I can say that in a time like in Kali Yuga, in the epoch in which we live, parapsychology is doomed. Because if it were to prove conclusively and absolutely something, it would change the history of the earth. It's a karmic thing that it would change. Exactly like Hollywood movies never can give you even the hope that if you have a cancer, you can get healed. Hey, there is healing. There are many people who take chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and this, and they die after 5-10 years or something, and there are some people who mysteriously sailed through it and they had it. You know, like the Prime Minister of India. Somehow he escaped Morar Desai. He went on 60 Minutes. And he said, I had cancer and I drank my piss. I drank my pee-pee. And he lived 96 years of age you know, by drinking his pee-pee. So that's why I'm saying, you know, it's, there is, it's out there. Some people can see it, but it's exactly like we are two, two races living on the same planet. Some of us have it and some of us don't have it. The same planet, we see the same world. And yet some people get it and some people don't get it. This is the mystery of the wall of silence and this knowledge that some people karmically do not have access to that knowledge in one way or another. And parapsychology is very, for me, parapsychology is very important and it's very important because theoretically, if it would work, if it would be done by Jesus and Buddha, if they would be the main researchers and they would have the power to deal with the karma of humanity, then parapsychology is an amazing way of proving to the human beings that we live in a mysterious and complex universe, that almost nothing is known about the essence of reality and the essence of things that a lot of these mysterious things are known, that the great civilizations 
No, they can project astrally and move to a, from a planet to another. You, need, you don't need Jean-Luc Picard and the spaceship Enterprise to boldly go where nobody has gone before. This one can do it. It's here. Your third eye can do that directly. No? So it's, it opens a totally new perspective about what to do, how to live, and all that. And uh, parapsychology is the cutting edge. And, you know, people, if science demonstrates that there is telepathy or that people can walk on fire or whatever is there, then it's a totally different life. Something else can happen. And uh, for this reason, I consider parapsychology very important. I've always considered parapsychology very important, not because I want you to become parapsychologists. Sometimes... It happens in Agama that we teach some alternative healing and some of you wants to become an acupuncturer or a homeopath or some other form of alternative therapy or that we teach you something here like Kashmiri Shaivism and some of you fall in love with Sanskrit language and then you go and take a degree in Sanskrit in some university and 10 years later you are a Sanskritologist and a translator from Sanskrit and this... So it happens occasionally that it may happen that if I'm teaching parapsychology or the connection between yoga, spiritual practice and parapsychology, how can parapsychology help you there? It can happen that some of you, one person in a hundred, might even become a researcher in parapsychology or that you start building devices of parapsychology for healing, for opening the third eye, for various other things. I'm going to give you a few examples in this respect. So for me, parapsychology is not only important because some of you might be attracted by it, but parapsychology is very important because for those of you who are a bit blinded by this karma, it can speak in your language. Like you come down to the level where people are and you tell them you don't believe in the fact that some Tibetan guru said that they could perform astral projection and move from one body to another body or weird things like this. But hey, there is the out-of-body experience which is researched in parapsychology, which is systematized by the Monroe Institute and other such institutions, trying to do it in a scientific in a, with, with cognitive models from science, and then, for many people, that's an eye-opener. No, they can, it's like parapsychology can bring people faith. Can bring people faith. So, that's why parapsychology is very important in one way. And another thing of parapsychology is that parapsychology, because it's technical... It gives a sort of clear understanding. I would say it has something on Manipura and Ajna, that it gives a sort of clear-cut understanding. Like there are things which are technically both very simple and at the same time very potent. Let's give a simple example, which comes from radiesthesia, parapsychology, a sort of a branch of parapsychology. I'll tell you something about the branches, the aspects which are studied. Many people in this yoga school and in other spiritual yoga schools 
realize the fundamental truth that the yang energy, the cosmic and yang energy is in decline. That it's a big problem for people that the yang energy is low and that 90% of the men and women out there, they are painfully yin. And this extra yin thing generates a lot of problems, from health problems to mental problems to social problems, lots and lots. So it's a well-known thing. If you've been in Agama for three levels or four, you are in that club. You know what I'm talking about. You know, because most of the men and women of Agama, 95% of the men and women in this school, they constantly try to become more yang. Very, 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 very seldom are you going to find a man and a woman in Agama who is in the eighth level of Agama and who says, I'm way too young, Swamiji told me to be more yin. Because I almost never tell to somebody to become more yin. Because almost everybody is too yin already. That's an experimental thing which we know from the spiritual life. To become yang is not an easy thing. Because yang is uphill, contraction, while yin is relaxation and downhill. And thus, to build up yang, especially in a world like today, when you have to choose between eating yin food and yang food, and yin food is ten times more delicious than yang food generally, then what is happening is that people have to work hard for becoming more yang. Here is a little thing from parapsychology. It has been discovered that silver support photos, that means photos which are made with some salts of the silver. Most of the photos, black and white and color, done until 20 years ago, until 15 years ago, were chemically processed. You went to a lab and you gave them your roll and then they took it and they transformed it into photos. That paper and the film on which it was, it contained silver salts, usually uh, silver nitrate, just to be more precise. But it was all based on different things of silver. Silver, like water, it's an astrological resonance, silver, the moon, and water, they are in the same category, for those of you who know a bit of astrology. Silver has a strange memory. It has a sort of energetic memory, just like water has an energetic memory. And then, it has been discovered through experiments in, in radiesthesia and others, that a silver-based photo, which today you can't find, most of the photos which you get today are printed on a printer, they are coming from digital photography, and they are not with silver, it's just ink on a glossy piece of paper, so it, it has become very difficult to get silver photos today, Probably the only one which remains still in common use is the Polaroid photos, these instant photos that a camera produces, a large camera produces in one minute or two. So a silver-produced photo is in resonance with your aura, is in resonance with your energy. It, has a, it bears a correspondence. There is a sort of holographic resonance between your being and energy and the photo which was taken for you. And therefore, they have discovered that if you do some things to the photo, it is as if you did the same things to the body. And here comes a simple one. In nature, spinning clockwise is yin, like when you do this, 
and spinning, rotating counterclockwise is yang. If you rotate your body counterclockwise, like the original dervish dancers do, it always goes counterclockwise. The dervishes never spin clockwise. It's only one way for a purpose. Then you become more cosmic. Your energy goes towards Sahasrara, and you're going into the cosmic energy. It's more yang. But among our dear yogis, there are some people who are so lazy that they wouldn't even stand up to spin for one hour because oh, it's, I'm too tired right now. Guess what? I don't know if, you're, if you already see where I'm going. You could spin your photo. You could take a photo of you and spin it. You could put it on a turntable like in the old gramophones. You have to turn it around because the gramophones turn clockwise. So you have to invert something inside. And then you can have a turntable that spins counterclockwise. Then you take your silver photo of you. You put it on the gramophone. You turn it on. And then you go and eat some ice cream. Because your gramophone keeps pumping young energy in your aura. And you can have the gramophone going 24-7. This is parapsychology. Parapsychology is the fact that you can create some shortcuts. You can create some amazing stuff by understanding the principles of parapsychology. At least some of the branches of parapsychology. So parapsychology is important because it's on the borderline of this ignorance, knowledge, fence, the wall of silence, but it's also, and, and it can give you faith, it can give you direct demonstrations of some things. It is important because it can give you clever methods. Theoretically, uh, we don't take questions during satsangs because it would become very chaotic. Questions in the Q&A, please. So in satsangs, I just talk to hear myself, and that's all. So, um, there are, therefore, many, many amazing things that can be achieved by understanding parapsychological things. For example, modern psychological research amounted hypnotherapy and others, the, the study of hypnosis and other altered states of mind, it amounted into the discipline which today is called NLP, Neuro-Linguistic Programming. And many NLP people, just to show their muscle and to show you how to have faith in yourself, that, hey, you are much more than you think, like Anthony Robbins does this five times per year, unleash the giant within or whatever, unleash the power within, they do firewalking. They devised a method in which they make you sing and breathe for two days, for a day and a half, and in the end of the second day, they make a six-meter-long bed of coals, and you just walk on it. You dance on fire, on burning coal, which you wouldn't dare. Well, what would that take without NLP? Like, NLP is using a lot of shortcuts and hypnotic things, and how would you do that without the NLP? Because the yogis spoke about dominating the fire element, and they said... You work on Manipura Chakra, you perform Trataka on a candle, on the sun, on fire, and you work on Manipura Chakra until your Manipura Chakra becomes something humongous and bigger than any human being around you. And you do Samyama and Samyama on the fire, like you give it three years of your life, 
and then you can control the fire element. And finally, when you feel that you and the fire are one, you can stick your hand into a flame and it won't burn you. Suddenly your skin becomes immune to fire. Like there is an Indian guy called the fire yogi who makes demonstrations by rolling into big bonfires and this. And the fire, when, even when the temperature goes up to 300 degrees, the fire doesn't burn him. No? And it's very controversial, again, because of some issues. I'm not going to go there because we don't have time in such a short presentation. So, if you were to control the fire element and to walk in fire, it will take you maybe three years, five years, ten years of training to control the fire element. Especially those of you who don't have a very good Manipura, First of all, you'd have to work five years to build a good Manipura, and then you'd have to work another five years to develop control over the fire element. Guess what? Neuro-linguistic programming, people can do it in 36 hours by singing and breathing, and because they are using principle from hypnosis, from hypnotherapy, and others, and in this way, it's a shortcut. The yogis from a thousand years ago would have been thrilled to know some of these tricky modern principles by which you can demonstrate some things, understand some things, achieve some things. That's why uh, in yoga, parapsychology also gives us shortcuts. I remember first time when I discovered, when I saw an orgone energy accumulator, that's a radionic parapsychological thing, derived from the work of Wilhelm Reich. It was built by a Danish engineer. I was living in Denmark in that time. And I heard somebody told me, you know, there is this engineer who built an orgone accumulator. And I'm going to him, and he had built it Danish quality, like really, really nice quality, splendid workmanship, and it was a real good accumulator. And when he heard that I was doing yoga and I was interested in parapsychology and this, then... He invited me to, you know, he said, you want to go 30 minutes in it or something? I went 30 minutes. I tried to feel the energy. I asked him, do you use it? He said, yeah, in the beginning when I built it, I was very enthusiastic about it. And I tried it, but then somehow it was like an old toy. You know, I kind of got bored of it. And right now it's sitting there in my back room. And I'm maybe once a month or something, I remember. And I asked him for curiosity, can you feel the prana? The energy, because normal people don't feel the etheric body or deeper than that. And he confirmed, you know, he said, no, I can't feel anything. I'm going and I know that it has an energy effect. And I said, don't you observe any, any result? And he said, actually, now that you are asking, there is a weird result which this thing does to me. He said, every time when I'm going in this organ machine for 30 minutes, in the next night, I have a nocturnal emission. I have an ejaculation in my sleep. Like, that machine was really working. It was filling him up with energy. And he could even see the tip of the iceberg. Because after he did a 30-minute session in an organ generator, you know, he was having nocturnal ejaculations. Like, he was so full of energy in his Muladhara and Svadhisthana that he was losing, say, like, he was 50-something years old. Men at 50, in their 50s, they don't have nocturnal ejaculations. In normally, at least. No? This guy was when he went in the organ machine. So, any one of you guys is lacking vitality, 
and I gave you a tapas to work two hours per day on muladhara, there is a trick when you learn parapsychology. You could spend three weeks building yourself an orgone generator. It's not rocket science. It's possible. And then every day you could go in the orgone machine for half an hour as part of your revitalization practice. <coughs> so, you know, how many hours of yoga should you have to work on Muladhara and Zvadhisthana to bring you at the level of vitality where next night you have an involuntary emission? Of course, that's not positive, by the way, for those of you who studied <coughs> yoga and tantra. I'm not saying that you have to do yoga until you start ejaculating in the night. I just mentioned it like a landmark, like for an ignorant person, a sort of like, whoa, uh, that, that means something. It must be doing something since that is happening. <coughs> so that's why I keep saying that parapsychology gives us invaluable knowledge, invaluable knowledge about some things and it works for everything from health to energy from relationships to paranormal abilities anything there are many many things known in parapsychology which could support people's spiritual life and people's research it is for this reason that especially I, having an engineering background, and when I was young, this is how I came to yoga. I came to yoga from parapsychology to yoga. To me, parapsychology brought me to yoga, not yoga to parapsychology, as it will happen to some of you. And because I understood uh, many of these things, I've always remained fascinated by it. And um, I wish we would have it more in Agama. As things are right now, Agama is not even an ashram. Like, we don't have a place to receive you as guests. Like, you know, we, we are just having a few yoga halls. They are on a piece of land which is rented. It doesn't belong to us because we don't have the amount of money that you need for that for the time being. The prices being so high as they are in this island. And... Therefore, you know, we don't have the possibility to build, but if we had the yoga will, you know, I, like Aurobindo, sometimes dream about an island where we'll have all the skeptics out of the island and we'll have just yogis, perhaps butt naked doing tantra from morning till evening or whatever. Perhaps it will be the most naughty island in the world, but we will have a yoga if, if it's not an island, at least it can be a virtual island. You know, it, has, it can have some and there, we could have a lot of things. And one of the things which exists in my dreams would be that for those of you who are inclined towards mixing spirituality with technology, there will be some laboratories of research in parapsychology, alternative healing, alternative energies, free energy, anti-gravitation, and all these kinds of things, if we had enough of a society, enough of a yoga vill, enough of a yoga city or of a yoga land where we could go in those directions. Because precisely people like those who are in yoga, they are free from this hypnosis 
ah, there is nothing, you don't know. This skepticism and this blindness, it doesn't exist very much in the yoga world. So many of you would be mentally and karmically qualified for investigating exactly these borderline domains, these borderline fields of human knowledge and amazing things could happen. Here and there on the planet Earth, there are small groups of alternatively oriented people who are doing sometimes very beautiful things. So, this being said, I I was just trying to show why this uh, parapsychological knowledge is invaluable. Because either it solidifies your practice, it gives you faith, or if not, it teaches you a million technological tricks that you can use and which are astonishing, outstanding. This being said, let me use the minutes which follow in telling you a little bit what does this field of study consist, like which are the main directions. Here in Agama, especially in the workshop which comes, we are approaching one or two of these directions. We don't have the time for the others. There are about all in all about nine directions of study in parapsychology. And I'm going to tell you a few words about each and every one of them, especially encouraging you in like what has been done and things which have been verified in the laboratory, because sometimes people can't think it, can't, can't, can't believe it. Parapsychology researches, on one hand, people's extrasensory perception, ESP. ESP, extrasensory perception, which means if you can have knowledge, not through the five sense organs, but in other ways. An example of extrasensory perception is psychometry. Let's say this object belongs to somebody. That person can be present or not, known or not. That person can be dead. This could have belonged to Milarepa in the 12th century. And psychometry means that you can take it in your hands. You as yogis would know that the left hand would make more sense because it's the yin one that feels, the more sensitive one. And you take it in your left hand, you close your eyes, and you try to see to whom it belonged, and to see, was that person having a liver disease or not? Like to know psychometrics, to measure psychologically, to be able, it's a sort of a clairvoyance in which you start from an object or from things like that. That's called psychometrics. And some people have obtained remarkable effects through psychometry. I can uh, give you examples, but if I give you an example for each and every one of them, we'll stay here six hours because there is a lot of stuff in parapsychology and a lot which has been done. We're talking about university-level research, documented and scientists that knew the protocols of science, and still they are accused by some people that, ah, it's pseudoscience, it's low-quality science, and so on. I leave it up to you to see for yourselves. There are books of parapsychology, one of the ones which I recommend often to people, as a book, a rare book, published by Stanley Krippner and John Wade, two leading American parapsychologists, and which is called Future Science. 
Future Science is a book written by about 25 different authors, each and every one of them, like Russell, Targ, Puthoff, and others, uh, Lozanov, and others. It's written about different subjects in parapsychology and different experiments in parapsychology. Like when you read a book like that, your jaw is dropping completely because you never learned in school that humanity does that and can do that and some of those things have been measured, you know. Like today, people quarrel if there are chakras and all that. Wake up, there is a Japanese researcher called Hiroshi Motoyama who measured the chakras electromagnetically and electrostatically in the 1960s and 70s as a book of scientific research. And yes, Manipura chakra is not in the solar plexus. No, quit that nonsense. Manipura chakra measured electromagnetically is in the belly button. It reacts to sensors here, not here. And therefore, no, like a lot of this controversy could be just flushed down the toilet until now people say, oh, there is the yellow chakra placed in the solar plexus. Those people are sleepwalkers. They are zombies. They live in an illusory world. The chakras have been measured electromagnetically solidly by a Japanese scientist. No? So I could give you a lot of stuff for each and every one of those, but I'm just opening the doors a little bit. Uh, it's not my intention to amplify this knowledge too much in the workshop which is coming. In the workshop which is coming, it's a workshop. It's about practical things, like which are the practical methods outlined in yoga and in uh, parapsychology about this or that. Because when Robert Monroe, just to make a, to understand why it's uh, compatible, when Robert Monroe wrote his book Journeys Out of the Body and he created the Monroe Institute to demonstrate the reality of lucid dreaming and astral projection, he was not a yogi. Maybe he did yoga in a previous life and that's why in this life he was born with an unusual capacity to go out of the body. But Robert Monroe, not having had the background of yoga, he just developed some crazy methods for going out of the body. So there are methods of going out of the body in yoga, and the most simple one of them, you all know it because you learn it in the first day of yoga, it's Shavasana, the relaxation, is a method for going out of the body in astral projection. And at the same time, there are methods developed by Monroe and a hundred other people and which are competing. They are competing methods which can give you some very smart click and then you can say, wow, you know, and astral projection is my big passion in life and in yoga. So psychometry, I explained what it is. Telepathy, Telepathy was demonstrated, we say it in the yoga lectures, by that experiment in which they killed the little rabbits and the mother could feel it exactly in the second when they were killed, at thousands of kilometers away. It's a scientific demonstrated fact by that and a few other experiments that telepathy exists. But scientists don't know how to make it happen, what energy produces it, and that's why they keep dragging their feet and saying, nah, but it's not conclusive. <laughs> what more conclusive than that you want that the transmission of information is simultaneous between two events at 5,000 kilometers from each other. So, <coughs> telepathy, there are many things about telepathy and many of you don't realize that there are about 
three or four or five different degrees of telepathy. Not all telepathy is the same. Like some forms of telepathy are classified actually as empathy. Empathy means that you feel the emotions <coughs> and not the intellectual thoughts of somebody. In parapsychology, they are also studying in the same, this is the same bullet, still is the first domain. They are studying the hypnotic phenomena and their implications. Under hypnosis, people do amazing things. Here in Agama, we occasionally offer hypnotherapy and so on for some things, but we don't go in the direction of that. Under hypnosis, people can see through opaque bodies. People can do incredible stuff just because they have been put under a state of hypnosis. And thus, there are many hypnotic phenomena that defy understanding. No. Hypnotic phenomena by which somebody is hypnotized by telephone or by video link and undergoes three hour long major surgery, major surgery, with no anesthetic. No anesthetic. And the hypnotherapist is not even in the room. The hypnotherapist is 3,000 kilometers away and Skypes. And it is. You can see it on YouTube. These images exist on YouTube and other places. You can see them. But mysteriously, nobody seeks for them because everybody is hypnotized not to seek and to just sleep, 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 forget, forget. There is only just a material life, a bourgeois little boring life. Keep sleeping, one day you will die and then you are going to be very, very frustrated that you died and you wasted 80 years of your life without going into things that really matter, without going into things which are the cutting edge, and where the big transformation could happen. Another field of parapsychology, which is related with extrasensory perception, the second one, and which is uh, considered separate, is the study of the human field of energy. Either you can see it or not, like auras, Kirlian photography, the dermo-optical perception, the plant perception. There is research done, for example which shows that a plant, if you put electrodes on a plant in certain ways, it's not just, there's a way to place electrodes, and if you place electrodes on a plant and then you take a knife and head towards it from six meters distance to kill it, with the clear intention I'm going to cut it, the plant reacts before you reach near it. Like when you are five meters away and going, the plant spikes. But the plant has not got eyes, ears, or any known sense organ. So how does the plant know that you are coming to kill it? And experiences fear. Plants experience a reaction which looks like fear when they are harmed. So this is measured. It's like I don't need to speculate or to write a science fiction like the happening of Night Shyamalan, where the trees get pissed off at humanity and they start poisoning it or something. This is not a science fiction movie. This is research which was done 20 times over. It, some of it has been done in slightly empirical ways, like Yogananda Paramahamsa quotes the American botanist and biologist researcher Luther Burbank, who talked to cactuses and kissed them and caressed them and the cactuses dropped their spikes. They lost their thorns. 
they started growing without thorns because Luther Burbank told them, nobody is going to harm you. These thorns are for defending yourself, for not being eaten by wild animals. I promise you, in my laboratory there are no wild animals and we all love you. And he touched them and he caressed them and the spikes fell off. He talked to the cactuses and the cactuses understood him. This is an experiment which is well known in biology, but everybody shuts up about it because how can you explain that you talk to a cactus and the cactus reacts to what you tell it? It's like it's nonsense. It sounds like it's nonsense. But the experiment of Luther Burbank is controversial because it's not done as a parapsychological event. People say, hey, yeah, he talked with God knows. Maybe there were some chemicals in the air of the laboratory. That's why the thorns fell off, you know. Like you can't demonstrate it 100%. For Yogananda, it was enough because Yogananda was a yogi and an enthusiast. And for him it was enough. But for very rigid, skeptical scientists, it's not. But there is a part of parapsychology which talks with the relation, about the relationship with the plants. How to have a harmonious relationship with the plants. And I mentioned before the dermo-optical perception. That's a form of extrasensory perception where people can read with their fingers. There are people who can read with their armpits. You put a piece of paper in the armpit, in an envelope, and they close the eyes and they can read it. Yeah. I knew a guy who made some funny money because he could read the lotos, these things which you buy for money, the loto, the lottery. He was just taking lotos and putting them on his forehead and he could see the number which was inside. And he was buying lotos according to, it was a system where you can have winnings and so on. It was reading winner or not winner inside. And he could read it like this. In the parapsychology workshop, I'm going to teach you the technique of this guy. How he developed the possibility to read something which is written in an envelope without opening, opening the envelope. It's like you have x-rays in your forehead. So, that's what we are talking about. We are talking about training some capabilities. No, the yogis never considered that you, probably the yogis never saw an envelope in their lives because the postal system was invented much later. But, you know, the yogis never thought about having a closed thing and looking at something which is inside it. Like you make a box, you put inside an unknown little object, and then you put it here and you try to see with x-rays from your third eye what is inside there. But it can be done. It's a training and it can be researched mathematically and statistically. Like you can see your progress day after day. That you are actually starting getting that ability. The third domain of study of parapsychology is studying the mysterious and very, very com complex ability of the human beings called clairvoyance. There are men and women who are endowed with various forms of clairvoyance, and clairvoyance means anything from seeing auras to knowing people's emotions and mind. Clairvoyance con contains precognition, like knowing things in advance, seeing things of the future. It involves retrocognition, like seeing images from the past and knowing things from the past where you have not been physically present and nobody told you what happened. It involves the famous remote viewing, which means seeing things 
at a distance on the planet Earth or in other places, like a sort of projection of the mind. And uh, part of our workshop is going to be concentrated on some of these techniques, most of them related to Ajna Chakra. It's one of the main themes of the workshop to dwell into clairvoyance and all these things, remote viewing and so on, as they are from the standpoint of yoga and as they are from the standpoint of parapsychology and thus seeing the hybrid methods building those bridges. The third domain where you find I'm sorry, the fourth domain where you find parapsychology interested is the famous science of radiesthesia. Radiesthesia means that the human beings can perceive radiations of different kinds with their body. It, it contains the mysterious science of dowsing, people who go with dowsing rods or with pendulums, and they can find out lost objects and other such things. Uh, for example, the famous paranormal person Uri Geller who amused himself with bending spoons and other funny things that, that is mentioned in another chapter of parapsychology was bitterly contested. James Randi and a few other skeptics, they tried to make mincemeat out of uh, Uri Geller that he was a hoax and a crook and so on. Uri Geller discreetly outside of the television screens, screens and the limelight oriented himself towards radiesthesia because he discovered he was good with radiesthesia and he made a private business where he was dowsing that thing of finding lost objects or finding underground resources is called dowsing. And he did dowsing in North Africa for oil and water. And Uri Geller is a multi-millionaire because the companies paid him the money. He had contracts, like if I find oil, every time when I find a, a purse of oil, a bag of oil, you give me $100,000. And they did. And he found the oil, otherwise he wouldn't have gotten the money. So I'm simply telling you all these things to see that uh, there are lots of urban legends about this. There is a guy called Gary Null, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong about the name. He wrote a book which is called Pendulum Power. And somebody was writing about him. It was written in a book. I can't tell you if it's true, because a lot of shit is written in the books. But it was said that this guy, trying to demonstrate the abilities of radiesthesia, he was using a pendulum for guessing, and he went and made the demo. He needed sponsorship and support. And he made the mistake to ask for that sponsorship and support from the U.S. Navy, from the U.S. military, because they had huge funds for research and this. And allegedly, Gary Null went with a world map and with a pendulum, and he found the location of about 20 nuclear submarines of the U.S. Navy, which is one of the top most classified informations, because nuclear submarines are carrying nuclear missiles, and they are placed in very secret places, so if the Third World War is coming up, they surface and they shoot missiles at China, at Russia, at wherever they are supposed to shoot. And therefore, if the enemy would know where the submarine is, they would just launch a bomb on top of it and they would destroy it. So where the submarine actually is, is one of the most classified informations in the world. And Gary Null came with a pendulum and said this submarine, he got the indicative and the name, 
He said this submarine is at 1 degrees north, 2 degrees north, 3 degrees north, 4 degrees north. And then when it reached to 23, the pendulum started going yes. No? And then he said 23 degrees north. Now let's take the minutes. 23 degrees and 1 minute, 2 minutes, 3 minutes, 4 minutes. And then when he reached to 44, the pendulum again started going yes. 23 degrees, 44 minutes. He went to the seconds. He found the latitude and the longitude of 20 nuclear submarines from the American Navy, you know, which the Russians would have died to know the latitude and the longitude of those submarines at any given time. What happened is that Gary Null got his passport cancelled and he was declared a person dangerous for national security. You know, instead of being sponsored, he just got put on the blacklist because they said if this guy ever falls in the hand of the Russians, we are fried. Like, this is where parapsychology is going. You know, when, when you think, is it really existing? Is it really happening? No, it does, and there are so many urban legends about this. Some of them are just legends, and some of them are facts, solid facts. The fourth level, the, I'm sorry, the fifth of the big subjects, of the big headlines in parapsychology, uh, again, about radiesthesia, dowsing, and this, if I have time, in the workshop, because this workshop I made it 10 years ago in five-day format, and today, next two weeks from now, I'm going to make it in a six-day format to have more time. And then, it is in my plan to add a little bit of this pendulum dowsing initiation to see how you do it and to train a little bit into this skill for those of you who want to become dowsers and use pendulums for different things. Uh, the fifth branch of parapsychology is starting from psychokinesis. And psychokinesis is a branch of, uh, of the paranormal phenomena, which means that people can move things with their mind, move object. Kinesis, kinetic, comes from moving. And psychokinesis is moving with the mind. Like people, like the famous things from the Star Wars, when the Jedis were getting their lightsaber from five meters away and they could do things moving objects and so on that's called in parapsychology psychokinesis and it has been experienced and it is viewed in many many ways uh, by psychokinesis for example one concept related to it is the famous uh, experiments with random number generators have been people like they cannot move an object with their energy but they can still influence material devices like an electronic machine called a random number generator, which is an electronic device. And people can influence <coughs> them. That's a form of psychokinesis. Uh, some people can influence uh, mechanical devices. One of my yoga teachers, my first yoga teacher when we were young, he witnessed, he told us that he witnessed a young boy who could go to these jackpot machines, these money machines, and he could win all the time. He could win like he would pull ten times, and he would get a bucket of money. He would get all the, the tic-tac-toe or the bar-bar-bar or whatever it's there. He could win, and he was so confident that he came with the bucket every time. He had a little plastic bucket, and he knew he was going to fill it up with money. He could talk to the machine. He could influence the machine to give him that combination, which is statistically coming every 70 million spins of the machine. He could say that spin is happening today with me. So, 
There is the pyrokinesis, pyrokinesis, where people generate fire, fire starting, as it's called in common language. And you can see, I have seen on YouTube, John Chen, a Chinese guy from Jakarta, who is doing pyrokinesis, sets a piece of paper on fire just by putting his hand on it, and so on. And of course, people say it must contain some chemical powder of phosphorus or something, you know. If you would read when that was made and how it was made, you would see that it's absurd. And uh, these are all effects of moving, interacting very violently with the physical world. This part of parapsychology deals with phenomena which are very spectacular. You know, like many people say, well, if there is a paranormal power, I want to see somebody pushing something with their hand or setting a piece of paper on fire just with their eyes or with their fingers. And, of course, one of them is levitation. Levitation is one of the great hits. Like, can people fly in mid-air? Can the human uh, being generate anti-gravitation? There is a classical experiment revealed by the parapsychologists, which is very weird and which I'm going to do in the workshop for fun. There is a crazy experiment in which people can witness that, indeed, something is very strange about the human ability to produce levitation or not. It was the inventor of the jet engine, who was not a parapsychologist. He was an aviation engineer called Henri Quande. Henri Quande is the man who invented the jet engine in 1912 or something. And then the first airplane with jet engine came up in 1940, 30 years later. Like they couldn't even build jet engines and he invented it in 1910. And this guy was a very, very, uh, he was a Gemini, astrologically. I have studied him a little bit. And he was a very versatile scientist. And he did other and other discoveries. For example, he studied the energetical uh, uh, balance of birds. He studied birds because he was interested in aviation and in flight. And he discovered that some birds were eating three times less calories than they needed to fly. He made the, simply the energetic balance. This bird is flying, I don't know, three hours and two minutes every day, and for that it needs so many calories. And when they looked at what the bird ate, the bird didn't even have enough food to fly. He studied other parapsychological bizarre things, like there is a law of aerodynamics which says that the pressure per square centimeter should not be more than 100 kilos in a flying machine, like it's 100 atmospheres is the static, the aerodynamic pressure on flying surfaces, for those of you who have any concept of the mechanical fluids. And then he discovered that flies, common flies, kitchen flies, the annoying flies, they have a thousand kilos per square centimeter when they fly. So theoretically, according to the laws of modern aircraft industry, flies are not supposed to fly. They shouldn't be flying. But they fly perfectly well, although they contradict the elementary rules by which airplanes are built even today, like aerodynamics and all that. So there is a lot of... Uh, but anyway, a part of parapsychology, number five on my list here, is the one which studies these spectacular phenomena. Like these are some of the most spectacular ones. Number six on this list is, of course, the out-of-body experiences, the lucid dreaming, the astral projection, 
and the bilocation or bilocation, like to be in two places at the same time, uh, they are gradually more and more. Uh, this is also one of the subjects which will be approached in this workshop. And out of the body experience, lucid dreaming, and this are the field of so much human creativity. Like here I'm saying, there is a machine made by Stephen Laberge, a French-Canadian researcher, who wrote some books on lucid dreaming. And then they thought, how can we help people who want to live, fall asleep and then become lucid and realize, oops, I'm sleeping and I'm dreaming right now, but I'm still not awake. And they created a machine, a device of $200 or something, which is called the Lucid Dreamer. I once, many years ago, when I was living in Denmark, I actually bought one of those just to see if it was nonsense or not, you know, just testing and so on. First time when I tried it in the night, it worked just like this. It worked in half an hour. You know, like, hey, how much have yogis tried to perform lucid dreaming? And this. And some of them must have trained for three years before they had the first lucid dream. Especially if you are not a very astral temperament. If you are a fire sign or a person with the astral body very developed, then maybe lucid dreaming works relatively easy for you. But if you are a triple earth sign and you are very dull in some of your energies, then it will take you 20 years of training and you'll still not have some lucid dreaming. Hey, there is a device. There is a machine made by a Canadian engineer and researcher which can give you a shortcut. It can make you have your first lucid dream tonight. If you have the lucid dreamer with you tonight, you can have your first lucid dream tonight. No? Isn't that a help for the yoga practice? It is. And that's why I'm saying it's, uh, we, if you learn some of these uh, technologies and science of it, there are lots of shortcuts which can be used. For example, uh, Robert Monroe, he found ways of producing out-of-body experience by his technology which he called the binaural beat. Binaural beat means that you put two very near sounds in the two channels of a stereo like 400 cycles per second in one year and 404 in the other year. And when you put them, this creates a phenomenon which in vibrations, it's called beat. It has a beat. It's exactly like a person limping on one foot. It's boop, 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 boop. It creates a beat. This beat can hypnotize your brain into having out-of-body experience. No? So, hey, somebody has spent 30 years trying to find out a modality to help you with some things, and so it's not only yoga, but of course yoga gives something else. Yoga says, if you focus on your third eye, that's going to be ten times easier. So what if you do 30 minutes of yoga on the third eye, and then you lie down on the bed with a binaural beat headphones, set of headphones on your ears? Sometimes, suddenly you have five times the chance increased to have an out-of-body experience, because you mix yoga and parapsychology. Like, it doesn't mean that the traditional knowledge is not good, but it means that it, there have been many creative, visionary, and intelligent people who are not into yoga. Not all the geniuses was born into yoga. There were many geniuses who didn't have anything to do with yoga. And if they were geniuses, they may have brought a very spectacular contribution, and there is nothing wrong with bringing it into your yoga practice or into your concerns. That's why parapsychology enlarges the horizon of your practice brilliantly. 
the seventh field in parapsychology is one of the fields which gives a bad reputation to parapsychology because it touches one of the religious sensitive things where especially materialists, atheists and rationalists go apeshit on this one and the next one <coughs> because it's about the near-death experience, it's about the survival of the consciousness after the physical death, it is about, of course, reincarnation, and it's about transcommunication. The transcommunication is the one which Konstantin Raudive discovered in the 1960s or 50s, and it is also called electronic voice phenomenon, that with specific electronic devices, you can actually record the voice of dead people in special conditions. And they talk sometimes clearly, and it's a whole story there. So, uh, of course, this is a spook. Like people say, okay, uh, I can understand that you want to study levitation and pyrokinesis, you know, because that's kind of, But now if you come and tell me that you want to study the near-death and uh, survive, like this is mystical. Now here is where the medical science stops. Like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, a Swiss uh, psychologist, she even created the branch of science called... Uh, please. She created even the branch of science called thanatology, and uh, she was declared the pariah. This woman wrote a brilliant book. Read it. See what's wrong with that book. As a, the, her first book, is probably her most brilliant and breakthrough book, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, On Death and Dying. Medical research done in Swiss and other country hospitals about peer, and it's the psychology of people about to die, who go through the five stages of grief and death, such as denial and anger and all those things. No, there's, it's, a, it's a remarkable study. Because she was talking with dying people about what they were feeling and this, she was called a witch doctor, and she was called like, hey, yeah, now you are investigating that. That's a taboo. No, because the atheists are afraid that maybe you'll discover something which will prove opposite. And it's on the edge of that. How would people live their lives if they knew absolutely for sure that there is continuity of consciousness after death, and that there is evolution, and that there are consequences, and that there are a lot... People would live in a different way. But people are fooling around precisely because you can't know for sure. And because you can't know for sure, then you can say, well, well, mm, yeah, they say, but what the heck, you know? It's a, like people live in an, a doubt. If science would demonstrate it, then the doubt would be gone. No, like you cannot say that uh, electricity either works or it doesn't work. It works because the laws of electricity are known for 200 years. No, and it's like, so uh, it's very important. And this again, this part of parapsychology studying death and what is beyond death and if there can be communication with the afterlife. I've heard some stories, I've talked with parapsychologists. I have heard some stories which are mind-blowing about things which have been done in this field. Eighth on my list is also a problematic one because it talks about mediums, the famous ectoplasm produced by mediums, 
apparitions, hauntings, phenomena of materialization, and phenomena of poltergeist. Uh, this is, again, like we go, Ghostbusters. But Ghostbusters is a ridiculous movie, uh, both the new one and the old one, uh, which is meant to make fun, to, to make this thing light. Like, hey, Ghostbusters, as well as Men in Black, right? There's nothing sinister about the Men in Black, because it's Will Smith, for God's sake, no? It's very sympathetic, and there is nothing weird about Ghostbusters. There are no Ghostbusters, it's just a Hollywood movie, yeah? And you can't really identify ghosts, communicate with them, identify them, see, go to a place which is haunted, and stop the phenomena of haunting, either on a, or exorcise a person that is being haunted, and all that. There is a crazy movie, a Hollywood movie, that's surprising, one of the rare ones which went through the, through the strainer. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, it's called either It or The Thing. Uh, I might be wrong because one of them is a, is a horror science fiction by Stephen King or something, and the other one is this movie, very rare. We have it in the Agama collection. And this It is based on the research done by the Kansas University Chair of Parapsychology, where they got a woman who was possessed, visited, haunted, and sexually assaulted, which she partly enjoyed, every night, by a spirit. And she shared it with parapsychologists. And parapsychologists devised an expensive, crazy, insane way to trap that spirit, that demon, which was, they created a room in a sports hall, in a laboratory, in control conditions, they created a room which looked like her bedroom. They recreated her bedroom in the laboratory. So she was sleeping in the sports hall of the university, or in a hall of the university, while looking like she was sleeping in her house, so that the spirit would come easily there. And they created a crazy device where the bed on which she was sleeping would open like this, and under it there would be a safety box where the woman would fall, and this would close instantaneously, and the whole room will be flooded with liquid nitrogen at 175 degrees below zero, freezing everything instantaneously. But not her. Like she would be under and protected. And then she can get out through another way from there. They did that. They put her asleep, and the bastard came to rape her again. And she pressed the button, and they put her in, and then when they threw the, lit the liquid nitrogen, there was a ball in the middle of the room, which was frozen carbonic ice or whatever it had turned into, and inside that there was a shape, not a human shape, a weird shape, and they could hear a moaning sound. Like we were talking about parapsychologists in a laboratory. They trapped something in the thin air. They just flushed the room with liquid nitrogen, and suddenly there was a shadow in the middle of a block of ice in which that entity seemed to be trapped. And it was making... And then after a few seconds, the ice cracked into pieces and the shadow disappeared. Some parapsychologists from the Kansas University, you can see it in a Hollywood movie, it's said, it, this reproduces actual events, they caught a spirit in liquid nitrogen. 
by producing carbonic ice and all sorts of other things. So it's like, for though any one of you thinks that spirits do not exist and that you want to sleep quietly because you know there are no spirits, parapsychology has got bad news for you. They have been trapped in ice already. You know, they, they do exist. It's very incomplete because nobody put enough money into researching these kinds of things. And it's cutting edge. It's very much on the edge. But yes, there exist. These two parts of parapsychology are very mystical and very spooky. And you know, like you study poltergeist and spirits and survival of the consciousness of the, and mediums and ectoplasm and apparitions and hauntings. And it's like, it sounds like, boy, how can that be scientific? But actually, these two branches of parapsychology, if they would be answered properly, they could answer some of the fundamental questions of mankind. Suddenly, if these things would have a breakthrough, humanity would not be the same ever again if science goes there and finds a way to break through, which apparently it doesn't. Konstantin Raud even made demonstrations to thousands of people about how you can hear voices. Today, nobody does it. Even Hollywood made a movie called White Noise. How many people practice the electric voice phenomenon or the transcommunication, as it's called, and so on? Nobody, although it's out there. It's known scientifically. But the wall of silence keeps pushing people into oblivion and ignorance and that's the condition of present mankind. I hope some of you can step out of that circle and see the world from the other side where you start understanding in a different way. Finally, the ninth on my list here is the spectacular science of radionics. Some things will be taught, starting with Hieronymus machine, alternative healing by energies, um, even energy healing, and of course expanding it to psychic surgery and other paranormal phenomena like are happening in the world. Actually, with radionics, people are coming to the place where almost any new energy is being studied in this field of radionics. I could give you like free energy. Now, free energy is not parapsychology, because it has nothing to do with psychology. Free energy would be a sort of alternative field of science. So, um, however, parapsychologists, because they are on this cutting edge, sometimes they reach to this limit, they reach to this extreme levels of human knowledge. Know that if you study levitation, and you see that there was some Christian saint who levitated hundreds of times. It was a commonly known thing that this man was flying like a butterfly. You know, that they had to tie him with chains because he was destroying objects in the church. Because he was just losing himself in prayer. And then he was flying like a balloon through the church like this. And he could top down statues. and other, So they had to tie him so he stops flying. You know, there, are, like, there are concrete stories about such persons and so on. Uh, but then if somebody flies, that means it's anti-gravitation. It's the dream of so many scientists for the last 200 years that there is a way to reverse gravitation and to produce anti-gravitation. 
then next time when you'd go home, you wouldn't have to fly an airplane. You'd have your own anti-gravitation thing and you'd just fly home, you know, just by yourself. That would change humanity totally if anti-gravitation would be a technology which would be available here and now, you know, like that. So, that's why I'm saying some people when they stumble into radionics and this part of parapsychology, it becomes a sort of para-physics, a sort of metaphysical science of physics, natural science. It becomes not para-psychology, but para-natural science because it addresses free energy, anti-gravitation, and other such thrilling subjects, some of them which are absolutely major. Right? Today, we suffer from lack of energy. Then they tell you that you generate too much carbon dioxide and that's why you destroy the nature. There are other scientists who say this is bullshit. It's just meant to keep people busy, exactly as it was the dolphins and the whales in the 1970s and ecology and the green movements. These are just thrown by Rothschild and Rockefeller to keep you busy with trinkets while they buy Africa and they buy South America and they buy everything. And meanwhile, normal people say, but we have to save the, the, the whales. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with saving the whales, by the way, but it's considered by conspiracy theorists to be a total distraction. And the same thing with the carbon dioxide obsession with the global warming of today. And therefore, if there suddenly would be free energy... We'd be talking about something else because people say, ha-ha, the mafia, the conspiracy, these people, they keep you enslaved with fossil fuels. They don't want to give you technology and even the solar energy and this, they are too expensive and they don't give you the best of the best and everybody is bound to use fossil fuel and pollute the planet. What about free energy, which is supposed to be drawn directly from Akasha, directly from the cosmic void and so on? That would change the history of the earth forever. Because if everybody could produce free energy as much as they wanted in their homes, then we are talking about a totally brave new world. It's a totally different world in which you don't have to go and buy gasoline for money for your motorbike, but it runs with free energy and it has anti-gravitation. So you, instead of driving, you are flying your motorbike for free you know, or something. Now that's another world we are talking about another humanity. That's why I'm showing to you that all these things are on the edge of the knowledge. They are on the edge of this wall of silence and that's why parapsychology is so powerful, so thrilling and it has the advantage that even for those of you who are not technical persons, it can still give methods, methodologies and like not all of you in this room will become crazily talented in uh, producing radionic phenomena. But on the other hand, there are simple, simple things like the Egeli wheel or the rhombus of I forgot whom, what was the diagram called, by which you can make easy transfer of energy from one person to another person. And things like this, which nobody knows. And they are out there, they exist out there, but somehow they are like under the radar. It's like a parallel reality which exists. And again... Of course, that in the New Age field, with so many Svadistanistic crazy people, and with so many money-greedy people, of course, unfortunately, parapsychology, precisely because it goes under the radar in this way, it's also very easy to fake. 
There are people who, in the name of parapsychology, they are selling buckle belts which are made with tachyon plastic. As far as my knowledge of physics and alternative science and parapsychology goes, there is no tachyon plastic. That's just a hoax. But they are selling millions of dollars worth of tachyon plastic to new age, naive, candid people who believe that they are buying I don't know what. They are, I was wearing sometimes and people saw it and asked me what it is, an electromagnetic device for synchronizing your aura with the Schumann frequency of the earth. And then you hear people saying nonsense. Some people, I've read it in at least 10 places on the internet, that the Schumann frequency of the earth has modified. Like, they should be shot, you know. They should put, be put against a wall and machine gun, you know, the people who say such nonsense, you know. Because you cannot modify the Schumann frequency of the earth. Those people don't even understand what the Schumann frequency is, how it is calculated, and way, although it's pretty simple. No, it's a, because they are static waves, they are static oscillations, which happen around the, air, around the ray of the earth. It can change only if the diameter of the earth changes considerably. Only if the size of the planet earth changes, then the Schumann frequency will change. And presently it is as it was always at 7.63 or whatever it is. It's, a, it's, it's seven cycles per second somewhere there. It's, not, it's never been modified. And other people, on the other hand, they say, uh, no, I met this one. There is a device in Eastern Europe which is called Torser. And Torser is supposed... Basically what Torser is, it's some... Uh, raisin, some sort of plastic containing some mineral particles, some particles of metal, which are compressed. And they are compressed while there is a magnetic field happening around that thing. And they say because it was compressed while the magnetic field was there and then it solidified in that way, then it channels energy one way or another. It doesn't. It doesn't. I have seen electromagnetic devices that could generate a Schumann frequency. But just a piece of raisin with some metallic insertion into it, it doesn't do it. But people believe this torsor is sold for, I don't know, 100 euros or something like this. And I think they must have sold a million of them. Well, people are buying it because it has good advertising and it sounds scientific. People say, ever since I bought the torsor, I have no more pain in my shoulder. The pain in my shoulder has disappeared. No? And then, if you go and ask Maha, she will tell you that there is a 40% placebo in any medication that we take and other such medical research, you know, and that that doesn't demonstrate anything. And thus, uh, this rabbit hole is very deep, and um, I presented you tonight with some of the thrilling ideas from parapsychology, and now you understand that some of them can be used for yoga. Either you are interested in healing, or you are interested to improve some things in your daily life, or you are interested in paranormal abilities. And even when you are interested in opening your crown chakra or some spiritual breakthrough, some of these things can be of great use. That's why for me, having had the privilege to understand parapsychology and see 
some of the things which were done, I always wanted to preserve it. It's not very hot because like I'm not doing it every year or every two years simply for the fact that uh, we're getting swamped with all the need to do the Tantra workshops, the art of dying, the metaphysics and the hundred others which we do and uh, seldom people will have the perseverance to work with parapsychology. You know, like I wonder after this and after the workshop if there will appear a radionic or box or if there will appear an uh, organ generator in Agama. Last time when we did it in 2006, a Canadian guy, next day he built an organ generator which was in the healing center for a few years but it was made of cardboard and the cardboard got mossy due to the humidity here and eventually it fell apart and now we don't have an organ box. But we had an organ box in the uh, healing center before and uh, there are so many things which I did not mention, such as uh, the pyramid energy, the pyramid power, which I have experienced with for years. I have done experiments personally with it, and it works in uh, wonderful ways. Uh, what the water energies, as in the research of Schauberger, of Kwanda, of Masaru Emoto, of what is happening in homeopathy and homeopathic remedies, how, what is the memory of water and how is energy transmitted through water, you know, and in very simple things. Like some of you says, I have no Manipura, I need more Manipura, and I'm working two hours of yoga per day on Manipura. But, you know, there is something you can say, can you do more, can you do four hours? Oh my God, it's so difficult to do four hours of yoga on Manipura. Okay, two hours is your limit, then how are you going to go beyond that? Well, you take a bottle of water which is green of a certain color, you fill it up with clean spring water, you put it in the sunshine for two hours so that the water gets irradiated by the green color of the bottle and then you drink it. And by drinking green water, the water is not green, it's still water, but it's irradiated with green color that increases your Manipura Chakra. And here is easy yoga. Easy yoga by just putting a bottle in the sunshine and then drinking it in the evening. No, it can increase... No, instead, you can't do four hours of yoga, but you can do two hours of yoga and drink solar irradiated colored water. And thus, there are so many things which are coming into it. In synergetics, the use of brain machines, which we once upon a time used to have even in our shop here, because it's a splendid instrument. And uh, I didn't mention too much of Wilhelm Reich and the Oregon energy, the cloudbuster, and all sorts of things, even for changing the weather. And I didn't speak about Peregrino Ernetti and his chronovision machine. And we didn't talk about a lot of radionic things like Abrams and Hieronymus. I'll show you in the workshop uh, a typical radionic machine and how to work with it for those of you who are interested in going uh, in that place. And again, I have a list here of things which have been done and some of them which I held them in my hand. I saw them, which were uh, amazing. And um, all in all, um, all this comes under the headline of perhaps the most thrilling of the modern sciences, which is parapsychology, and which has just the problem that it forces people's karma. It pushes people's karma beyond a certain lim limit. 
And that's why uh, the people who are dealing with these things, they know that eventually it kind of, it is on the edge. Like we know that some people will understand and use these things and some people, like it will never become main trend. Again, a lot of things have been done. There is research about female fertility, how not to get pregnant, done by Dr. Jonas in old day Czechoslovakia and done by a doctor, I forgot his name, uh, in Hungary. In communist times, under communist rulership, they found an astrobiological method to calculate the fertility rhythms of the women so that they could get 99 precision, 99.7 in one of them, precision. They even found out that the method allowed you to determine the sex of your child without uh, in vitro insemination or anything like this. Did you hear? Are women using the method of Jonas except in Agama? Are women using the method of Jonas and the other fellow, whatever is, Balog, I think, Dr. Balog, or something? Did you find that people who want to have a boy or a girl, they are using the research, which was done in two different researches, like years and years of research, two different studies at difference of years, and done under communist rule, like no bullshit, no new age, no religious fanatics, no hysterics, no, like real square communist country type of science with no imagination or things like this. No? That's why I'm calling your attention on the fact that we live in a mysterious world where some people get their hands on some things and it works for them and then their neighbor in the next bungalow lives in total oblivion and total ignorance of the same thing. They live on the same planet, they live in the same place, but their reality is very different because it's on different levels. That's the, the issue with problematic knowledge and parapsychology gives us this problematic knowledge which for us in yoga is golden. It's golden because it supports some things from yoga wonderfully. I remember when my friend Sahajananda was telling me that he read a book which was giving some research in telepathy. And these people found a method which was a little bit like this. Two people doing telepathy. One stands there and looks that way, and the other one stands by that board and has a marker in their hand and draws a line. And they draw a line, and then they stop. And when they stop drawing the line, and it was not audible in any way, then the other person has to say, top. And they would draw again, top, top. Like, when do you feel that the other person... This was the method which produced the highest result in telepathy. Like, people doing this, they could synchronize very, very well. No. Then this friend of mine, who some of you know very well, he was interested in the tantric practice at that time, and he simply said, it's a well-known thing that lovemaking works much better in tantra if the man and the woman are attuned to each other. So what if I would make the man and the woman attuned telepathically by this method? So they took a method from a parapsychological research. They started drawing lines on a board and they did top, top, top for 20 minutes. And then they made love the tantric way. And they obtained some amazing results in the tantric lovemaking. 
just because they applied an experiment on telepathy borrowed from parapsychology. That's why I'm saying once you are intelligent and creative, much of this knowledge becomes golden because you can do a million things. A million things. If effects on your photo, on a silver-lined photo, can go to you, then why not do wonderful things to a photo of yourself? Like shine it in golden yellow light or others and others. Why not draw a mantra on it? Draw the mantra Aum on a photo of yours or other things like that. That's why I'm saying there is a lot that can be added to the spiritual practice. And um, I hope that I opened your mind in this satsang. I've showed you how amazing parapsychology can be. And for those of you who will bother to study together with yoga, this year or in one of the next years, whenever we'll have the opening to do it again, I hope you will uh, get some great ideas and you'll spread them to other people in understanding, both in demonstrating and having a breakthrough and at the same time in supporting your own spiritual practice with such discoveries. Enough of that. I've spoken enough. I have many, many stories. I had here three times more to speak, but it's enough for tonight. Thank you all for joining. If there will be questions in the Q&A sessions, I will gladly take questions. With this, we have finished for tonight.